Hey guys, it's March, and you're listening to Olavi Chola, Olavi Chola, Queen of the Rings. All right, welcome back everyone to episode four of Queen of the Rings. I'm so happy you're here with me. I'm happy to be here too. Okay, so let's just like get right into it. So we're opening back at Numenor and the queen is giving an audience to all of the new babies born in the region. And you can kind of tell that there's kind of this like loom impending doom happening. And it turns out that all of this water is rushing into Numenor. And I'm just thinking like, ma'am, give the baby back. There is water rushing onto Numenor. And then thank goodness it was all just a dream. But nonetheless, why is she holding on to a baby while this like, you know, tsunami is heading her way? I would think she would give the baby off first and then stare off into the window. But no, she's holding on to this baby that isn't even hers. It's just you you shouldn't let other people hold your baby. Just take take no. Don't let other people hold your baby. And so now we're outside and we're hearing elf lover, elf lover, elf lover. And it's the townsmen giving fear mongering, com- you know, um, fear mongering conversations or fear mongering talks amongst everyone else who doesn't understand what's going on. And they're telling them that the elves are coming to take their jobs and take their land and take their work and take their food. And it's like, the elves are coming. Ugh, why are you so stupid? Anyway, the king makes this opportunity the best opportunity he can and makes a whole grand speech about how they're all men and the, and the elves can never take them, never take their jobs and never take their lands and their food and you know, they're all like clapping for him and he's feeling so good about his talk and he's at the top of the steps of this coliseum and he's like talking to everyone and I just thought, these extras are so PG-13. They're all just like awkwardly like smiling and looking and like almost kind of waiting for the next scene. They're like looking at each other and they're like, oh, who am I supposed to be looking to? And they're like, yeah, yeah, that's right yeah we love the king and then the king is like there's like this wide shot and the king is like saying this grand old speech to like a room of like 50 people and just thought like this is so pg-13 oh my god what a moment it's so it's such a grand moment for such a small audience and so we are with the Tempest versus the Regent. And these two are having a conversation about, you know, they're, they're having a power dynamic conversation. They're establishing their authority over one, over one another, which is ridiculous because neither one of them has authority over the other. But they're still trying to assort, assert something. And I think that's just one of the most it's one of the the types of relationships that you waste the most time on when you're trying to assert a sort of dominance over another person, which you never can and you never will. Anyway, but these two people are having, you know, you have the queen 
versus Alicent. Oh my God, Alicent. We have the queen fighting Galadriel. And Galadriel is trying her best to get imprisoned. And I think this is the, this is the best moment yet. <laughs> she finds herself in prison because she basically threatened to talk to the king over the queen. And um, yeah, you don't do that. Especially when you're not even at home. You're, and you're a guest in this place. And then because you're not getting your way, you're going to tell the one who's hosting you that you're going to go talk to their boss. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, my goodness. I, I don't know how Galadra has made me be so team not her. I am not on her team right now. I do not like her. So now we're with Incendol and his company. And he's kind of in a daydream. And then he finds himself not curling a log with the sh with the rope then gets him and his buddies all out off of like the boat squad and the biggest moment for me in this scene was just how much acting the curly haired guy was doing and you know what i'm talking about that wig on his friend the curly hair like little trapo is like we like to say like a little trapito a little rag a little a little mop or something. I don't know. I think that wig was doing more acting in the scene than the acting in the scene. But nonetheless, I really enjoyed it because I thought, you know, who would have thought a wig could do so much work? And so we find ourselves at the camp with Arandir. And Arandir is about to meet Adar. Adar. And so now, when we see Adar, Adar, he's kind of like half elf, half orc, right? Or, or perhaps Adar is like when Sauron took over his body and then left, and now he's like left to pick up the pieces. I think that's what's actually going on with him. I think Saron broke up with him and he's like, I can't do this anymore. I need a young body. Your body is just not good enough for me. And Adar was like, how could you do this to me? I was an elf who went to the dark side and now you've abandoned me and I'm left with nothing. And so I think Adar is doing everything he can to get Saron's attention. And I think he's creating these orcs and these camps to get Saron's attention. Okay, I, I figured it out. I figured out this whole show. I figured it out. There's nothing left to talk about, guys. Just kidding. Okay. And so now we're at the Watchtower where all of the people of the Southlands have escaped to. And so old Theo is out here like, Mom, I can get us food. And his mom's like, please stay like, it's dangerous out there. You can't, you can't supersede these orcs. Like you already saw what we went through. And he's like, I got this. And his mom was like, don't you dare leave. And there's nothing more that a teenager is going to do is when you tell it not to do it. And so now Theo has left with his buddy and they've left the camp to a deserted old town. And well, as we all called it, it's a wrap for them because the orcs are in there and they're quite loud and they're not hiding 
in plain they're 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 seemingly hiding in plain sight um but not for long the orcs were watching them more than they were watching out for the orcs and so his friend scurries on while Theo's like I'm just gonna get this last you know grain of wheat I'm assuming that's wheat and so the orcs are coming for him and they're chasing him and he's like oh my god I can't believe this is happening to me and we're like we all told you but then he reveals he has Sauron's uh what does he have he has he has Sauron's like metal pedal rod Mm, wand maybe it's his wand he has Sauron's wand and the orc instead of like you know bending the knee which is what I assumed he would do he fights him for he's like where did you get that and I'm just like these orcs speak wow 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 they speak shocker and so then it turns out that Saron's wand sucks the life out of the orc. Fantastic. Somehow he couldn't get them to suck the life out of the rest of them. I guess he doesn't really know how to use it. So, you know, now we have Theo in hiding. And so now we're back with Elrond and Celembrior, Celembrimbor. And they're having a conversation about daddies. And then we're back at the dwarf mines, which is my favorite because I love these mines. They are so, so beautifully made. And I love these two, Prince Durin and um, his wife, which I should know her name by now. But anyway, while we're inside these mines, I still thought to myself, there are some real safety issues in these mines. I mean, I know that you guys are closer to the ground. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't have fences. There's, I mean, y'all are just walking through these hallways and, and these long paths with no, with no rails. I, I mean, mm-mm. I, I just, I don't get it. Maybe we can have a conversation about this, guys. Let's talk. I can get you a good fencing company to just put up a little fences in there and just protect your little selves. Okay, so now we're with um, Prince Dudin and Elrond. And they're obviously having some trust issues between them still. I don't know how long it's been since Elrond hasn't been back, but he's obviously trying to come back to make amends, but also because he wants something out of him um and so I just realized in this moment how like messy the elves are they like to see they like to present as diplomats you know what I mean they like to present themselves as like we are the ones who are cerebral we can talk things out we don't have to fight things out there's no need to be so brute about things but in reality they just want all the tea and they are just so messy and so Prince Ring is in the basement, <laughs> in the basement, oh my God. I mean, you could look at, think of it as a basement. And he's in the basement and Elrond discovers where he's at. And so they're talking about this um, quartz called Misereth Misareth, Misareth. 
And then there's a little rumbling in the caves and a couple of dwarves are stuck in these mines, which it's a bit triggering, you know, because there's been a lot of mine work happening in this in our real world. So we weren't sure if these dwarves are going to make it out alive. So we'll see what happens. And so now we find ourselves with Galadriel and Halbrand. And one of the cool things that one of the things that I thought was pretty cool about these jail cells was was that they're kind of like genderless cells. They're not, you know, in like a women's jail and then the men's jail. They're all just like all in the same place and they're all talking to each other. And they're quite elegantly made. I mean, they have such beautiful arched ceilings and arched doors. I thought these guys have it pretty good for the jail that they're in. I mean, they don't seem to be too hot or too cold. You know, they have great lighting. They have a couple of like barred windows. You know, maybe they might not be on the outside, but they're still being they're they're being hosted and if they're behaving naughty, at least they're in a nice cell <laughs> close to each other. And so Halbrand is talking to Galadriel and she's he's like, Okay, why did you come here? How did you end up in jail? And she's like, Because I was telling off the queen, that's why because I was based I was giving her a piece of my mind and then I told her I was gonna talk to her daddy. And Halbrand's like, So why do you think you're here? And she was like, I just told you why I'm here, because she's jealous of me, because I run things and he's like, Really? I thought y'all were pretty smart elves, but you seem to be missing the point here is that you made her mad because you said you were going to talk to her dad. So maybe that could be the place where you guys could meet, come together, is, um, you know, maybe apologize for trying to talk to her dad and maybe like sweeten her up. <clears throat> and she's like, huh, I never thought of that. And I'm just like, okay, this is PG-13. Got it. Okay, because, like, you don't think when you said you were going to supersede her and then maybe talk to her dad that that would have made her mad? You think just the fact that you spoke your mind? I, you know what? I'm, I'm just not going to say anything. Mm-mm, I'm not going to say it. Okay. So then she, okay, in this moment, I don't know if you guys remember in Austin Powers, for anybody who's, anybody who's watched Austin Powers, Austin Powers 3, I think. Um, or not Austin Powers 3. Austin Powers is by Who Shagged Me. So that was number one. There was a couple of moments where um, Austin Powers' dad, he goes like, choo-doo chop, choo-doo chop. And he like hits and it's just like so funny and silly and goofy. I felt this moment was an Austin Powers choo-doo chop moment. <laughs> I just like couldn't believe that like these men with swords and you know protection were all like being swindled and judo chopped by Galadriel like that is comedy that that's comedy through and through and so clearly she ends up with the dad or at least that she was on her way to see the dad and then she sees herself with the queen and she's like the queen's like, um, yeah, I knew you were going to come here and 
Uh, I'm going to help you see your way out of here. You fucking bitch. I can't believe you came to my dad. Can't you see he's on his deathbed? And she's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't even know. And it's like, did you even ask? Because a conversation starts with a sentence. Galadriel, she is, uh, she is something. Anyway, it's clear to all of us that King, the, it's clear, it's clear to all of us that the King of Numenor has COVID. So, <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, how could you not see that? It was so obvious. He's been quarantining. That's why he couldn't say hi to you. I swear, I thought these elves were smart. So now we see ourselves with Galadriel and the queen and the stone. And she puts her hand on the stone. Galadriel puts her hands on the stone. And she's has these like strong visions of just like destruction heading her way. And while this was happening, I thought, man, what a great set design. This place looks incredible. Wow. It look, I, if my house could look like that, I'll pay whatever it takes. I'll pay whatever it takes. And now we're back with Theo. Oh, I know. We've all been waiting for what's been happening with Theo and the orcs. And he does the unthinkable. He somehow outsmarts them. And he's finally on his way out. And then, oh, you thought an orc got him. But then on Deer saves the day. He picks him up. And he's like, oh, we got to go. And so now they're running. And, oh, my God. Okay, this scene, there, the orcs are running, and it seems like they're so close to each other. And they're running through the woods in the dark, right? Because the orcs can only really function in the dark and with no sun. And they're running through, and they're running, and they're having their Baywatch moments. And I'm thinking, these orcs are going to catch up to Arandir and Theo, because somehow Theo was that far away from the tower, which, I mean, I thought they were just down the hill. This man was hours away from his house, hours. Well, they're running through these things. They finally catch up to the mom, or the mom finally catches up to them, and they're running, and he turns around, and he hits them with one arrow, and there's 30 of them, and then they're running some more, and then Theo falls, and somehow the orcs still haven't caught up to them. Like, how is that possible? How is that possible? Like, they still haven't, like, I'm thinking they're literally right at their necks. But no. No, they're not. They have time, because they're very far away from each other in a very close frame. And so they finally make it out the forest into the sunlight, and the orcs just won't come out. They'll, they'll, they'll burn like vampires in the sun. And so now we find ourselves with the queen still sending off Caladriel. And as she's on her way out, we start to see that the city of Numenor is mourning. Not the people, but the plants. The plant life is mourning. And it starts to shed white tears, I think. It's, it's the, oh, it's the Valera, Valera's petals start to weep. 
And you can just see how sad and how bad of a decision this is. Numenor, the land, does not agree with this shipping off of this elf. And so then the queen has a change of heart. All it takes is plant life to change your heart. And so, you know, now the queen's like, we're going to stick with this elf girl, Galadriel. We're going to go with her to the Southlands and defend her friend's home and fight Sauron. And there's a war and who's going to join us. And let me tell you something, they all serve. They're all serving. And that's the episode. That's where we leave off. We leave off with a lot of, it starts off low and then in the middle it peaks at the high and now we're back at the low-ish part where it seems like the queen's unstable and can't make up her mind. Or maybe she lets go of her pride and decides, you know what, this seems like this problem is going to be all of our problem, which, you know, when when evil is looming the way Sauron is looming, it, it, it becomes everyone's problem. So... Ultimately, I am pretty glad the queen changed her mind, but Galadriel really needs to change her fucking attitude. I'm sick of her shit. She could, she could be a little nicer, a little bit more humbled, or at least a little bit more like, you know, soft in her approach for, for needing to be defended. I don't know. Is that problematic of me to, I, I, you know what? I don't know. Whatever. At the end of the day, I still feel like Galadriel's attitude needs to change. If she wants me to be on her side, if she wants me to root for her, because I will not root for her, not one bit, if she keeps this attitude up. Anyway, guys, let me know what you think. Are you team Galadriel? Are you team Numenor? Are you team Queen? Are you team Sauron? I'm actually team Sauron right now. I feel like he's kind of winning and he is serving just by being able to bounce on anybody that he wanted to i mean the man or the thing that it is gonna live forever at that point so i think my money's on that guy anyway thank you so much for listening if you have any questions or comments hit me up on hbxpod at gmail you can find me on instagram at hbxpod and on tiktok at hola bichola and until next time adios